Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that has gathered us all here today to discuss one question. How do we kill Superman? I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. How you doing, Marty? <laughs> Good, bud. We haven't spoken for a while. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, we haven't spoken to you for a while. It was kind of a kind of an unannounced short break. That was all, That's on me. I took a vacation. I took a few week and a half, about two weeks off to spend time with my fiance. Yeah, check it out. This motherfucker's engaged. I got engaged uh, over the past like couple of weeks. I proposed to my long-suffering girlfriend, Sarah, who has sat through many Andy Griffith episode and worse. Honestly, really, that's that's the commitment right there. That's the moment where I was like, I gotta lock this shit down because no one else is gonna put up with this. No, absolutely. Every season that goes by, the the scales get a little heavier in terms of, like, I love Marty, I have to watch the Andy Griffith show with him. Like... I've been in a relationship this entire time. You're the one who had to actually go on dates and talk about this podcast. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> my my girlfriend, one of the first dates we went on, not one of the first dates, it was like a month in, but we were walking back from dinner, and there was just a lull, and she just burst out laughing and screamed, you have a fucking podcast, what am I doing with my life? And we got past that. How long into a date, into a relationship, into a couple of dates before you bring up the, the, the podcast? As many as possible. <laughs> There were entire short-lived relationships where they never found out. But there was always the question of like, well then Dan, what the fuck are you doing with all your free time if yeah. nothing interesting? And the que- the answer is a podcast about the Andy Griffith show. This is literally the most interesting thing about you. Also, she was she like holds it over my head sometimes where she's like when we first brought it up, you fucking said that you had a media criticism podcast. Bitch, you watch the Andy Griffith show. How are we talking about my thing? (laughs) Fucking, you got engaged. That's true. Yeah, I got engaged. I, you know, I, I could tell the whole story. I, I'm not going to tell the whole story because screw you. That's, that's our story. But I will say this. Sarah never gets to uh, celebrate her own birthday Mm -hmm. because it's December 28th and no one wants to do shit on December 28th. So she's always celebrated her half birthday, June 28th, which was my cover. (laughs) like i used sarah's high opinion of herself against her because i was like yeah we're gonna go out on this on this dinner and oh look i found tickets to a string quartet that's just a normal thing to do for your birthday and she was like yeah of course this is exactly what you would buy me for my birthday great awesome (laughs) yeah i I think for a second she was like oh hell yeah look at this awesome ring i got for my birthday (laughs) Oh, man, if this is what I get for a half birthday, imagine what you're going to have to get me when you fucking propose, idiot. <laughs> now, to be honest, she didn't even look at the ring. She was like, oh, God, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it took her- and then she hasn't stopped looking at the ring since. <laughs> like, Just like staring at it. Just like yes. wake up. That's like yes, blocked like, off on her calendar. 
I have gotten reports of what that ring looks like in four different types of light this week. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm taking that big jump into adulthood. Hooray. Yeah. I guess Woo! Gonna... Oh, you know what? Hang on. I'm going to be a complete asshole here. I'm going to. I, I, I know that we've talked about how much of our, our lives we give to content, but I did wait until the to being on the air here. Dan, you have to be my best man, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. Hey, yeah. No, right. I've I've been like, I've seen this coming. You told me once when when you were blackout drunk that it, when you get married, I'm going to be your best man. I've okay, just been well, there like. You go. So, so there you go. We have to be the best. You, you get to be the best man. Yeah. Here's the thing about being the best man, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, this means that you have to plan an event mm-hmm. and give a speech. Yeah, I can do both of those. You can't do either of those. Since I've been writing the speech in my head since you like since you got engaged, I have Aww. like I have like three fourths of it done. Okay, it's mostly sweet. roasts of you. Of so, course it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to hurt your feelings. Uh, <laughs> that, that's what you really want to do. Yeah. Like, uh, on on someone's wedding day is is go for really go for the throat. Yeah, you know what? I, I I'm revoking best man status. <laughs> no, it's me. already happened. Damn. Okay, it's been promised. Yeah, I figured just like I didn't I didn't even think you needed to say it. I was just like, well, cool. I'm- All right, so that's my news. Dan, did you tell me you were getting a psychic? I'm getting a psychic. So while you've been having. A, a, a wonderful magical weekend with delightful wedding proposals and staring at rings. It's been real dog shit over here. Does this have to do with your girlfriend thinking that she saw a ghost? So, girlfriend uh, has been thinking she's seen a ghost. Yes, we're still, I'm actually kind of on board with that. There's a lot of weird creaks. We keep hearing footsteps in the other room. It's pretty creepy. It's because you live in a South Philly row home apartment. Like, no, they're ominous ass footsteps. They are like, it's it's some the ring shit. Okay, fine. Okay, so exp- but- explain, explain to me why you're getting a psychic, though. So you may require from uh, previous episodes, whole camping fucking nightmare. Right, cult. right. The, the druids. The druids that you, you angered. Yeah, thunderstorm rained us out, had to crawl under a tree through the mud. Recently, recently, our HVAC broke, which was after a long weekend of dealing with, like, like family shit. And then our HVAC just melted. So we had to vacate our apartment, go stay with Brianna's brother. We are not there for like 10 minutes before his dog becomes deathly ill and has to be rushed off to an animal hospital. As a result, we have to take shifts watching the dog when he's home to make sure that like nothing happens. Okay. And at this point... Still, still, Still nothing paranormal about this. It's more... We have really fucking bad luck. Just bad shit happens to us all the time. So I've just kind of reached the conclusion of like, I'm gonna get us a fucking psychic. Like just just to check out your energy. In terms of probability of bad shit happening to a couple all the time, it's pretty fucking like getting kind of ridiculous. So like I was looking online for like how to improve your luck. And I was like, give me some sage bullshit. Tell me to hang a crystal around my neck. And everything was, everything was like, here's 20 practical ways to improve your luck. Try being more positive. Say yes to things more. And I was like, no, no, no. I want impractical ways to improve my luck. Sell me some stupid bullshit. Like, I'm, you, like, I just had, like, you have me finally stupid ass world of crystals and dream catchers and all that shit 
get like get in here. I will pay five ninety five for some herbs to burn in my living room. But I told my mom about this and was like, yeah, no, kind of looking for some shit to improve our luck. And she just like without fail was like, oh, you want to see my psychic? <laughs> Your mom said that. <laughs> yeah, my mom has a psych- my mom's been like a sage burner and shit. So she was like, yeah, yeah, you can see my acupuncturist slash psychic. She does. She does like palm reading. She does fortune telling. She does aura cleansing and she will commune with the dead for you. <laughs> so I wonder if she has like a package, I might like also throw in like talking to like humphrey bogart maybe see if like she can also make that happen the whole thing is gonna be over zoom hang hang on a second first off my man if you're if you're gonna commune with the dead you're picking a dead celebrity humphrey bogart's a good one but how do you not automatically pick andy griffith i don't want anything more to do with this man (laughs) and actually i might just delete this but how did you not pick your own father I, he'll be fine. He's <laughs> he's busy, probably. He's got his own shit going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that your relationship with your father is basically the same <laughs> yeah. in the afterlife. He's, he's cool. I'm sure he's like, I'm honestly, he probably is like bothering Gandhi right now. <laughs> Ah, God. Yeah, no, Humphrey, one, fuck no to Andy Griffith. The man already dominates enough of my waking life. He's not, I'm, what if he haunts me? And what if, like, I talk, also imagine making a psychic do an Andy Griffith impression. It's like, hang on a second, hang on a second. Listeners, if we get to 150 Patreon patrons. (laughs) We will we will have Dan Psychic contact Andy Griffith or Don Knotts for us. Or Ron Howard. He's still alive, but maybe the psychic has his number. Like we we will do a seance to talk to Andy Griffith or Don Knotts. We're going to do it and the psychic is going to be like, oh, that part of the afterlife is fuzzy, and we'll just be like, we'll wait. <laughs> Well, fucking wait. Go watch an episode of the Andy Griffith Show and come back with an impression of him. We'll hang out. She'll be like, "You sure you don't want to talk to your dad?" And be like, "No, no, give me AG. I want to meet the man that's ruined so much of my life." Oh fuck. Yeah, no, I'm doing the stupid bullshit. I don't okay. fucking care. Right. Give me a psychic. But yeah, that's no now on the Patreon goals. I'll fucking add that in. By the way, speaking of Patreon, a uh, special thanks to our new Patreon patrons, Jesse and William. Thank you for tuning in and, and donating to us. And thank you to Arthur Drexel, whose name I got wrong last time, who also left us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, that's uh, nice. Arthur Drexel writes, good every time. Every week I see a new episode. I know I'm getting something great to listen to on the road, on break, or in the gym. And every week without is a little more empty. Thank you, Arthur. Jesus, we need to stop having gap weeks. Fuck. (laughs) Right. No, Arthur depends on us. Also, Uh, good every week is uh, such an exaggeration. So much, but that is such a bull face lie. It's not true. Thank you for bullshitting potential listeners for us. We have had we have we we have at best an eighty percent hit rate. I'll tell you, though, we got a good one this week. 
Let's fucking do it. We, uh, I, I was thinking this would be a twofer, but we'll find out. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to see how long this first episode takes us. Well, I think uh, the second one we can sum up in six minutes. The se- I mean, the second, we'll, we'll find out. I've got some stuff to say about the second one, but like, let me go ahead and say the episode we're about to do is, look, the, it's a recurring thing. It's just kind of a, a, a stock plot point at this point that... Andy does something ridiculous in order to preserve Barney's ego, right? Yeah. This is the most demented one I've ever seen. This is one where men could die. Yes. This This is the dumbest and most dangerous one so far. (laughs) Yeah. Which, the the reveal, like, if Andy didn't do the insane thing, it wouldn't even been that bad. Like, it honestly would not have, with, like, some light explaining. This is cryptic, let's barrel f- the fuck into it. You know, it, it's it's cool, because the one-sentence summary, the actually two-sentence summary from Wikipedia, gives a full synopsis. Okay, so, here we are, Season 4, Episode 13, Barney and the Cave Rescue, directed by Dick Crenna, written by Harvey Bullock, and... It originally airs January 6, 1964. Here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia, your two-sentence summary, actually. Barney is mocked by the town for doing his duty too zealously. Period. When Andy and Helen are trapped in a mine, they find their way out the back, (laughs) comma, but learn Barney has mounted a full-scale rescue and secretly return to save Barney further humiliation. Here is your one run-on sentence summary from Wikipedia. Jesus. How do you have... How are you missing a part in a Wikipedia summary? How is your Wikipedia summary missing Act 2? I mean, here's the funny part about this is, like, I feel like this is actually a pretty good summary because it really captures the feeling of how part one of this episode and part two of this episode have fuck all to do with yeah. each other. <laughs> they are they are connected by the most tenuous of threads. Yeah. There is a giant motorcycle over a over a, a ravine leap in logic. It kind of reminds me of like old Simpsons episodes where like the first you knew the first eight minutes of the Simpsons episode were just going to be something else. And yeah. then the Simpsons episode would start. But this one tries to tie them in and, and doesn't do a great job of it. I'm not. No. It really feels like they had like two half episodes written and just like, yeah, this works. Yeah, they were just like, well, let's do one of the standard pathos things. We want to put people in a fucking mine. So we'll just do Barney's emotional issue number 12. Fuck it. Number Uh, three. They don't have 12 of these. Yeah. So, all right. We open up. Everybody's going to the town picnic. Everybody except Gomer, I guess. Who? Okay, let's let's just jump into it. So they are making Gomer the deputy who is in charge of law enforcement in the entire town while they are at the picnic. I guess the picnic is like off in the goddamn mountains. So Gomer is in charge of the town. Gomer's level of cognitive ability varies. Sometimes he's just a guy who talks slow. Sometimes he is fully developmentally disabled. Sometimes this, he's fairly sharp in the in the yeah. Citizens Arrest episode. He's pretty sharp. This is not the Citizens Arrest episode. No, this is sh- this is like very much the latter option, he, which is he interesting. Has, he has difficulty remembering two things. Yes. in this episode, like he he displays little to no situational awareness, which is 
very concerning. Uh, yeah, upsetting that they made him in charge of law enforcement for the entire town. I mean, I think that's kind of the gag, right? The gag is that, like, nothing is going to happen. So little is going to happen yeah. that you could give Gomer the job. Which isn't saying much for Andy or Barney, right? No. Well, like, Andy seems to be fully aware that his job is bullshit. Yeah. He was Barney's just like, the you... only one who thinks it matters. Yeah, he's just like, you just sit by the phones and you just answer it. Yeah, it slowly dawns on Barney and he starts like wildly overcompensating, which leads to thing number two. They go outside where Barney is like teaching Gomer how to patrol. Andy runs into Fergus, the bank manager, and basically establishes real quick Fergus is overworked, he has a cold, and there's a bank examiner coming. Yeah, it's a Saturday, right? So yeah. that's why it's weird. That's what Andy comments. He's like, Fergus, why are you opening up the bank on a Saturday? Fergus is like, oh, I've got an examiner coming to do an audit. We're doing an audit today. Also, I'm sick. He's covering his face with like a handkerchief. Yeah. Because uh, he's sneezing and he's, he's sick. And he takes, I, I, is it is the joke that he's got like 50 keys and doesn't remember which one opens his his bank door because he's taken forever to open that bank yeah he's like having trouble opening the bank door so it looks like he's jimmying the lock he's covering his face with a rag so it looks like he's a, a thief the bank examiner rolls up in criminal uniform which is just a suit yeah and barney nearby mistakes them for bank robbers warns that warns two nearby chuckle fucks that they need to duck before the lead starts flying. Yeah, he run. But let's be clear. He runs up on them with his gun. He's <laughs> screaming. He's just like, you know, up against the wall. Yeah. And I, I, we've talked about this a lot, but I think what I figured out is that the Andy Griffith show takes place in a universe where bullets don't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's Westworld bullets. Like every everybody's response. I can't cannot uh, stress this enough. Like, the bank manager's response upon having Barney, like, pull a gun on him and wave it in his face is not, holy shit, man, calm down, no, oh my god. His response is, hey, cut that out. Yeah. Put like, that away. Come on, man, get out of here. They must, I want, I need to see someone get shot in the Andy Griffith universe and just see how little it harms them. Because uh, uh, it's the only explanation. This is like Westworld bullets, where it just knocks you down. So anyway, back to this episode, right? Everybody gathers around. I think it's the same two old dudes that always make fun of Barney. I'm just yeah. like, hey, idiot. Good job. Good job catching the bank manager opening his own bank, you moron. And everybody just starts. You, you get this. You understand yeah. what's happening here. The whole crowd gathers and they're like, ha ha, Barney, you suck. Let's go ahead and taunt this deranged man with who still has a gun. Yeah. Uh, which, on one hand, okay, Barney was... Like, it was, it's understandable for Barney to think those guys were robbing the bank. They looked like fucking bank robbers. Shouldn't have run up on them with a gun drawn, of course. So, for like a split second, I was like, oh man, get off him. He was just kind of like doing his job. They looked like bank robbers. And then, 
that stupidity left my skull very quickly when I was like, oh, wait, no, this is every fucking day for these people. Yeah, right, right. They're used to this. Like, this is all the time. Yeah. Like, the reason Fergus wasn't shocked by Barney waving a gun at him is because that is just Tuesday for him. Yeah. It's like, this probably happens, like, every 12 minutes. Is just, like, someone dares to cover their face for five seconds, and Barney's like, get on the ground! You're robbing this produce stand! So, the next scene, it's kind of like Barney just pouting around the jail, and Andy's trying to, like, say, hey, it's man, it's okay. Everybody respects you. Everybody thinks you're a great lawman. Let's just go to the picnic, right? And I, I like this line. He says, we've got a date at the picnic with two fine women and four fine chickens. Everybody, every member of this picnic gets their own chicken. <laughs> and like, I really love the idea that all four of that each of them are just holding a whole chicken and just going to town on it. I just imagine the incredible Gonzo is also there with him. <laughs> uh, fucking... So, Andy is very, because he's lying to him. He's like, I bet everyone is out in town talking about how fucking great you are and how good of a cop you are, and no one's going to make fun of you at this picnic, which is lies. (laughs) He is straight up lying to his friend just because he wants to go to this fucking picnic. Uh, it's a weird codependent relationship these people have, right? Yeah. Like, you can just go to the picnic without Barney. Barney doesn't have to go to the picnic if he doesn't want to go to the picnic. Yeah. Is, just... it, is, is he on, like, suicide watch? Is it just like you can't leave <laughs> Barney alone when he's in these moods? Yeah. yeah. It's like... What, Gotta yeah, keep him busy. Don't don't let him light the stove. <laughs> it's like when you're trying to cheer someone up, at, but you want to do shit, so you just keep, like slowly guiding them towards the thing you want to do where you're like you know what would cheer you up going to see captain america which just came out i bet that would really cheer you up bet it let me check show times i think that would really cheer you up you just break up with your girlfriend well come here to this fucking nightclub that i want to go to and look and talk to girls with me for yeah me. yeah <laughs> exactly please come here and make me look better by comparison come on let's go (laughs) yeah i i can't leave you but i already had plans so (laughs) that's really what it is right like yeah i want to be a good friend but i don't want to change my calendar (laughs) yeah no i don't want to just sit there and stare at you while you're sad Fucking, he does, like, some very brutal emotional manipulation of his like, sad friend. It's, like, Andy's pretty fucked up this entire, both of these episodes. But he basically twists Barney's arm to come into the picnic. Barney's like, you know what? You're right. I bet everybody thinks I'm good at my job and everyone is going to be cool at it. And Opie just comes in. He's like, everybody's calling Barney a fucking moron. <laughs> I have, I'm a child, even for a child, I'm tone deaf about this. It's it's the return of screaming Opie. Like, yeah. I always love when we get a good, I think this is the only thing that Opie does in this entire episode, by the way. Opie just runs in and is just like, hey, Barney, everyone knows you suck. Yeah. <laughs> and which leaves. It's, oh, no, it's, he, he comes in again at the stinger. It's, it is classic Opie that. Like, season one Opie, where his job is to scream in exposition and also get up under someone and just speed bag their ego. Yeah, like, no, this is this is all they have Opie do the entire episode, which is very weird, considering half this episode, Opie's father could be dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, 
no shot of the child wondering if his dad died in a cave. Like, there's a good chunk of this episode where everyone is wondering if Andy is still alive. Yeah. And just, no, we don't need to talk to Opie about that. Well, no, I would argue they don't really entertain the possibility of him being dead. They're just like, he's trapped in the cave. Alive. He's alive. Nobody get an EMT ready. No, 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 no. Because Bar- Barney does specifically state that he's worried because he yelled into the cave and he got no reply. So. Yeah, that's true. So, re- so and, and, and let's go ahead and get into that, right? Like, Andy says, okay, let's just go to the picnic and we'll just do our own thing. We'll go far away from everyone. And so that's the next scene, is they go into the woods. They are, I guess, on Mars, apparently. They are so (laughs) far away from everybody else at the picnic because the show didn't want to hire extras this week. They blew blew all their extras budget in the last scene. Um, If you're going to go, like, that deep out into the woods, why even fucking go? Just go to a diner. Yeah, why bother? You're not at the town picnic anymore. Yeah. Right? Like... You you could be doing this in Andy's front yard and get the same effect. It's like, so fucking weird. Also, who gives a shit about a town picnic? It's dumb as hell. It's literally all these people have in their lives, man. God. <laughs> Just, like, go to a... But, well, it's because there's no alcohol. It's because there's no alcohol. That's yeah. I just re- I just remembered. I was like, just go to a bar. Oh wait, nope. Yep, yeah, I understand. Town this picnic. Only movies, thing keeping you sane. You got a movie theater? Just go watch you know, whatever Spencer Tracy's up to these days. Yeah. You know? So Barney's still pouting. He's like, I don't know. I think we're still too close to everybody. There's a dumb joke where Thelma Lou's like, Okay, everybody, if you want chicken, raise your hands. I mean, yeah. put up your hands. Which. Uh, is absolutely like just a real lazy fucking hurdle like yeah yeah that was pretty Barney- contrived wasn't it like <laughs> that's right just, we're bringing back the batman bit just kind of made the joke come to you on that one huh bar andy like a normal sane human being <laughs> written like like in a way in a very organic decision <laughs> says hey Fellow grown-ass adults here with their dates, do you want to go run around in an abandoned mineshaft together? Just like, come on, let's go be adults in a mineshaft that we used to go into as children. And two adults are like, yeah, I want to go be in a little-ass cave. Uh, Listen, okay. I'm going to be real pedantic about this. Me and one of the commenters on the Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki see eye to eye on this. Andy refers to it as a mine cave. And you can't be both. Yeah. <laughs> you are a mine or a cave. Caves yes. are naturally formed. Mines are not. This is clearly a mine. I'm sorry. That's a pedantic bullshit, but it bothered me. Well, it's like a cave they were using as a mine, right? Like, I'm assuming it was just already a cave and someone was like, I'm going to dig for jewels in here. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh... So, this yeah. isn't a this isn't a sanctioned mining operation. I'm just pappy. I've, I got a <laughs> I got a pitchfork and a jug with X's on it. This is why Andy Griffith wants to kill all gold panners. Yes, remember One... we've already established this. Andy Griffith is is on a mission to kill all gold miners. Yeah, like, 
All prospectors must die, according to Andy Griffith. It's a prequel. <laughs> yes. Like, the his character in Savages is actually Andy Griffith. He's become wealthy and decided to seek his revenge. So yeah, Andy and Miss Crump, Helen. Andy and Helen, they decide, yeah, whatever. This sounds like a fun thing to do on a date, I guess. Yeah. Is to go off into a, a mine shaft. And I think Andy pretty much clearly says, like, yeah, well, we're going to go into that mine. And we're gonna fuck. Yeah. It's basically like, we're gonna find somewhere nice to sit down, and we're gonna be there till the flashlight runs out. So it's just basically like, hey, let's go do hand stuff in a cave. So they go in. So they're, Andy and, and Helen are in the cave, which, by the way, the cave is racist. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, just to, just to remind you that it's 1964, there's a racist story that goes along with the cave. Hey, listeners, did you know that caves can be racist? <laughs> I didn't. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're not, we should not do it the dignity of reciting it. We're um, not going to recite it. Andy tells a racist story about, like, two Native American lovers who got lost in the cave. There are some references to Uggs and how, and we're not going to That's all fucking, you need. That's all yeah. you need. That's all you need. Like, it, it, it serves zero purpose. It doesn't add anything. It's yeah. not like it's not like the cave is on an Indian burial ground. It's not like the spirit of one of these like people comes out, you know. It's not like it's even cursed or anything. Like it's just they were just like, We need to fill some time. It's nineteen sixty four. Do something problematic. <laughs> All right, good. That'll that'll kill three minutes. We haven't checked the Native Americans in a little while. We gotta make sure we knock them back down. Like <laughs> John we- Wayne's not doing a good enough job of it on it, yeah, it's been it's been a while since we did one of these. Let's uh, let's work that uh, in there. Barney gets chewed out by his girlfriend for being a fucking whiny baby. Yeah, uh, she's just like this sucks, man. I don't want to be hanging out here like with you if you're gonna bitch. Stay home. He didn't want to do he this. He didn't want to be there. This is the second episode where it's just like you forced these people to come that didn't want to come. I, okay. I, I hate to, like, take the, the chinless fuck side, but I would be catatonic right now. Like, I would be completely non-functional if I got ripped on by an entire town like that. Like, let the guy fucking sit in, a, in, in his house, drink some wine, and listen to Enya like we all do after a situation like this. Oh, don't give me a look all like you don't- of us? Don't give me a look like you don't listen to Enya when you're sad. I- I- I genuinely... Marty. You know what? I'm going to say I do for the sake of the bit. So... (laughs) That's not a bit. That's genuine. We're talking about this after. (laughs) So, Barney and Thelma Lou, they start to go into the cave. So, so they're, they're entering the cave, and Helen and Andy are way deep in the cave. They're much further in. Yeah, like... Barney uh, has this little bit about he doesn't like caves. He's worried about... A bat's gonna fly in his hair and lay eggs in his brain, drive yeah. you, drive it, drive you insane. Uh, uh, nice little bit. And Barney uh, doesn't know what a bat is. And then the mind collapses. Yes, cannot emphasize this enough. Andy and Crump are almost crushed to death. Like yeah. they very narrowly avoid several rocks falling on them and killing them terribly. Um, yeah. There, there is a rock slide. Barney and Thelma Lou barely make it out, right? Yeah. 
They like run out and the dust is like falling behind them and so and then Barney's suddenly like, Andy, Andy! Holy crap! He- and then the this is the hardest the music of this show has ever gone, where he's like, Andy's still there. Bum bum bum. The mine collapsed. Bum bum bum. Andy. Bum 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 bum. Like fucking inter. Like the levels on the music are spiking like they never ever have before. I mean, the- look, we can make fun of it now, but I bet if you're watching this in January of 1964, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, no. This is the first time this had this show has had stakes, even like vague stakes. Yeah, like fucking uh, like there's a life and death problem. A person could die. Like it's holy shit. This is suddenly like television, even a little bit, and then it immediately isn't. My, <laughs> there, 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 there's an advertisement for cigarettes. <laughs> and then when we get back for commercial, Andy's know. like, "Oh, look, there's a door right over there. Come on!" <laughs> like, it's fucking. It's some J.J. Abrams shit. It is absolute horse shit. It, it is very a- much like, "Oh, I'm gonna put you in danger," and then not. Anyway, so they they immediately like tell everyone at home, "Don't worry, Andy's fine. Helen is being hysterical, crazy." Crazy women and they're overreacting to nearly dying and alone in a cave. Uh, uh, Fucking yeah, no, she's like, I'm. She's not even like crazy. She's not like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. She's like, I'm a little freaked out right now. And he's like, what? Why? <laughs> Come yeah. on, don't you understand? You're in the Andy Griffith show. I'm sure a Deus Ex Machina is gonna uh, is gonna pop up. Oh look, a hole. Like, it, it. I feel like a lot of Andy Taylor's behavior is explained. If you just assume that, like, he knows his name is on the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you just figure that he's got, like, Deadpool-esque plot armor and just situational awareness. It, uh, it's what makes sense, because they're like, I'm going to fire you, Andy Griffin. He's like, no, you can't. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not even going to give you a good reason why you can't. Fuck, what are you going to do? Cancel the show? Get a new guy? You can't do it. So That yeah. actually makes sense and is canon now. Andy, Andy says, hey, I bet if we go if we go further in the mine, we'll find our way out. And they do. They find a way out the cave, a second entrance, a tunnel that led all the way out. Meanwhile, Barney is putting together a search party, a search and rescue party. And then rather than go and tell everyone, their immediate concern, Helen and Andy, is like, they're like, well, we better get home and change our clothes. They're a little yeah. dirty. They, and they, they find a road conveniently right next to them. They hitchhike home from some guy in a truck. Yeah, just okay. So the they, level of the level of contrivances here, right? So they don't go to like find their friends who might have also been in the cave. To be they fair, they they didn't know. They didn't know that that Barney and Thelma Lou joined them. You still go back and you're like, dude, we almost died in a cave collapse. Like. Yeah. Yeah, to be clear, they suggested going to the cave, right? Like, you still mentioned the cave to them, and you've got to go over there and be like, hey, guys, don't go to the cave. Yeah, it's an unsafe cave. Or, like, just anything other than, hey, you want to go home and take a shower? Let's go home and take a shower. You at least have a little thing of, like, oh, my God, we almost fucking died. (laughs) They're so fucking chill about this. Yeah, there's that's really the big leap of it. This all is, like, no one could possibly be this chill. Even if you were, like, 
like, okay, I got trapped in a cave for a little bit. I thought I was trapped in a cave. No, I'm not trapped in a cave. A fucking bunch of rocks almost fell on you and crushed your bodies. Like, you were almost mush. Not, like, less than an hour ago. Like, but no, they just go to they go to Helen's house and like she just takes a shower. She's probably just like, "Hey, do you, have, you know, there's no urgency here. Can I bop, you know, open up a bottle of wine? You guys, you want to watch? I think Jeopardy's on. You want to? Yeah, I think we could probably catch uh, catch Final Jeopardy if we try hard enough. You know, like they are, they have zero urgency whatsoever, which is fucked up because at some point in time, like they know that their friends are gonna wonder where they are. Yeah, at the at the very least, you can't just disappear for hours <laughs> in the woods like very far away from the the thing like like if if you were gone this long and i didn't know that you were in a cave collapse i'd be like oh shit a coyote ate andy like a black yeah, yeah. bear just dragged helen crump off into the woods and they're fucking dead now no no instead they're just chilling she's oh. taking a shower and then andy turns on the news and that's where they find out that there's a bulletin of like on the news, they're like, there's a rescue attempt underway led by Bonnie Fife to rescue Sheriff Andrew Taylor and a female accomplice. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking. And woman. Like, yeah. And some lady. We don't. F- th- she's not the important part. Fucking. So Barney has arranged a very, like, competently put together search effort. Kind um, of. Yeah. Like, I like, mean, all he all he really did was call everyone and say, "Get a shovel." Like, yeah, this, this <laughs> really really overstates the degree of Barney's competency. He has them assemble every single digging implement they have in like a forty mile radius when it's just like four guys digging. Like the volume of digging implement implements they have doesn't really change anything about this situation it's also it's not a big cave like it's just a fucking like a a fucking like little fucking hole like three guys can be in there at a time but for the most part he's just organizing the entire town to gather around and freak out with him like he he's just like everybody come to the town stand there be upset with me yeah and so basically He's just like, he calls in, remember, none of these people are professional excavators or, or spelunkers or anything. He's just like, hey, everyone, come on in. Maybe you can die in a cave, too. Yeah. Like, like it's, and, and that's where this fucking goes nuts, right? This goes off the fucking rails for me. I, I, I'm, I'm on board for everything else. But then, then Andy says the most demented fucking thing I've heard him say this entire show, which is, well, if Barney's going through all the trouble of having a rescue mission, a rescue attempt, we better make sure there's someone for him to rescue on the other side, shouldn't we? What? Do you know how many people die rescuing people from caves? <laughs> you, the, you've already established that the fucking place is unstable. Yeah, which some fucking farmer is standing in a cave hitting a rock with a shovel and just going like, hey, Barney, is this load-bearing? And Barney's like, I don't fucking know. None of us are cave experts. We're just a bunch of dudes with shovels. Literally, and, and, and his whole logic here is, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go back, and then Barney will look good, and everyone's going to forget about Barney pulling a gun on that guy until yeah. he does it again tomorrow. Like, 
the whole town thinks that he's a fucking moron, like, inherently. Literally. That, that ship is sailed. Nothing matters except for Barney Fife's feelings. At this point, we've proven that Andy Taylor values Barney Fife's ego over the lives of the people in the community. Just over literally anybody. Like... He values the ego ego of a guy he does not particularly like. Like, a a dude who he torments at every possible opportunity. I want want to talk about another show for a second, right? I've been watching, I've been re-watching all of Community lately, right? Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, the character of Abed on Community. Because they address this a couple of times throughout the show that... Everybody kind of walks on eggshells around Abed, and everybody kind of treats Abed a little differently, and and to protect him essentially, because they're yeah. worried that he'll freak out essentially. Because yeah. they, at multiple times in the show, Abed has a mental breakdown, and and they've they've gone through it, and they they've addressed that like this actually isn't good for anyone, least of all Abed. And there there are moments where they like there's an entire episode dedicated to like. Annie teaching Abed, hey, sometimes you have to think about other people. Like, yeah, you got to fucking do this. And it's just it's it's very I'm not going to say like everything that they do with Abed is good. Right. Like, yeah. there's some questions there, but it's just it's so weird taking that formula, essentially, because Abed is kind of the Barney Fife of that. Right. Yeah. Like, he is kind of the Barney Fife in that everyone kind of has to like treat not necessarily his ego because i think that's that's kind of the key there is that abed doesn't have an ego but it's that like abed has a very distinct perception of reality much like barney fife does and if you change that perception of reality he will there will be negative effects on his psyche so as his friends everybody kind of bands together to protect to protect him from that sometimes at their own expense uh, there is the thing, though, that we are kind of, like, projecting modern TV rules onto an old TV show where, like, you were not supposed to watch it in successive order or really remember the previous episode. So we are, like, it is our thing of, like, we see this pattern of of things happening. Like, have I told you about my experience watching Golden Girls with Blanche? No. So, but real quick, before we do this, sure, but even in the context of this 25 minutes, the logic yeah. is batshit. Yeah. Insane. Like, so, if, if, uh, if this was the only episode of the Andy Griffith show I'd ever seen, I'd just think that this was an episode no, no, of this crazy is people. Like, this is a, a show about, of, about yeah. psychopaths. A lot of them are fairly, like, re- like, relative to this, innocuous. This is the first one where it has spiked into the point of, like, maybe some people die! So, we, through quarantine, our big thing was we binged Golden Girls. It's like, it was our, basically, our life raft. Blanche! Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with it. I'm familiar. I, I know the basics of the Golden Girls. Yeah. I know who Blanche is. Blanche is like a kind of selfish. And every episode she does something to varying degrees of selfishness. She says something really mean to one of her friends or she's willing to undercut one of her friends for personal gain 
or she refuses to go to her dad's funeral because she's in a fight with her sister. And taken in one of those, you'd be like, oh, look, Blanche did something shitty this week. But if you watch it in rapid succession, Blanche is the goddamn devil. Like, <laughs> she is an absolute dead-eyed sociopath who would slit a, a child's throat for 12 minutes of attention. And it's kind of the thing of like, yeah, you weren't supposed to remember the previous episodes. You were not supposed to identify a pattern because people... Like, people being shitty could just be a joke and didn't have to be part of a larger character pattern. Yeah. but And, I, and that's, and like... You, I, if you, you could get away with a lot more of that, really. Yeah. Yeah. But, so we are, like, aware of a pattern with, with this show and enabling Barney Fife that we aren't supposed to be. We're, we're predisposed to already feel it this way. But. Yeah. It's why, like like modern tv shows like parks and rec like here's a shitty idiot character we're going to make sure that we give him redeemable traits because you're going to be spending a lot of fucking time with this guy and you need to at least kind of like him there's also speaking of community have you ever heard dan Harmon talk about the idiot ball uh, no the the idiot ball is a, it's kind of a writing uh trope a thing to avoid i think he, he is what he describes it as and that's it like when you run out of ideas and for the sake of the story, uh, for the sake of having any sort of story, one character has to hold the idiot ball this week. Yeah. And they have to, even even acting out of character to do so. One example I can think of is there's a Thanksgiving episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that's always rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about. It's the one where they all go to Amy Santiago's house and... They're, they make they give Amy Santiago the idiot ball, this character who's normally really organized and like meticulous and super detail oriented. And now she's like mistaking salt for baking powder. And, yeah. And like j- the joke is that Amy has to be a bad cook. So they just remove all of the like normal qualities of her. I think about this all the fucking time watching the Andy Griffith show. Like. Who's holding the asshole ball this week? You've talked about it before. You've like every once in a while, the, the, someone has to behave unnaturally like a dick for this entire episode yeah. to work. Uh, well, and- it's it's also anytime Barney Fife, like anytime Don Knotts has to go off and do a fucking movie, someone else needs to become ten thousand percent more shitty and stupid. S- someone else has to fill that role. In this case, I'm gonna say like. Not only am I mad at this episode for going so far off the rails, but I'm really kind of mad at the writing here because this is extremely out of character for Andy. Yeah, this is an insane thing to do, especially because like, all right, their, their big their big nightmare scenario is we tell them that we got out fine and everybody makes fun of Barney and calls him an idiot. Which you could explain that away and be like, yeah, we were in a mine that collapsed. We got out. We got out of the collapsed mine. He still should have done yeah, everything to, he did. To be clear, it, Barney is doing the right thing regardless. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, like, what should he have done in this situation of Ben? Like, mine collapsed. It's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, I'll go tell some people, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Because maybe it, he got out the back door of the cave. It's not comparable to the bank thing. It's not. This this yeah. episode wants you to think that it's comparable to the bank thing, but it's not. In the bank situation, there are a million other options that he could have taken. Yeah. Like, in this one, there's really only one correct move, and that's the one he took. Like, he showed, like, all right, let's, 
the scenario is Andy walks up to the cave and be like, hey, everybody, I'm actually safe and alive. And everybody should be like, oh, we're so happy that you're safe and alive. And if anybody turns around and be like, Barney, you fucking idiot, you just go like, hey, man, fuck off. Yeah, like, that, that, they're the dick, right? Yeah. So like, fucking A. It's so just, no, it's, yeah. instead Helen and, and, and Andy change back into their dirty clothes. They make a point of this that they're going to change back into their dirty clothes and sneak back into the cave the other way. And then die, right? <laughs> like, that yeah. cave could still close in on you. It's a collapsing mine. <laughs> Which, fucking, all right, normally when you do characters doing something really stupid or out of character, it's because you want something really funny and cool to happen, and you kind of need to, like, smudge some stuff to get there. Our big crazy set piece is Andy and Helen just lying down in a mine. <laughs> like, it's not a great moment. They were just like, we found you. And they're like, you sure did find us, bud. Yay, everybody's happy. It's not like a huge, like the show has done this before. And the result has usually been like, well, a bunch of old ladies get wasted on moonshine. <laughs> like, it's, they usually, like, normally it's something cool and it's just fucking lame as shit. Everybody's well, like, hooray. And then everyone says, boy, it sure is good that we have Barney Fife around. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, I, I, good good thing we have Barney that, Fife. No one else would think to get a shovel. Yeah. No, like if if he hadn't been here, we wouldn't have even tried digging. We would have all gone home. Although, to be fair, if. Barney Five hadn't been there, you wouldn't have gone in the fucking cave to begin with because you wouldn't want to have gone anywhere to get away from Barney fucking Five. Yeah. If we really want to do the dance, it's Barney's fault they're they're in there because he's such a miserable little prick. They decided they would literally just go and stare at a dark rock than be with him any second longer. I will literally just wall myself up in a dark, cold, uh land filled with coal and i would rather get black lung than <laughs> i would any rather, more time with barney fife i would rather cask of amontillado myself than spend another fucking minute with you for the love of god Montresor! <laughs> <laughs> fucking a oh god I, I was told i was told there was a still bit down here <laughs> There's no still down here at all. What are you doing with those bricks? <laughs> that came out more Paula Dean than fucking Barney Fife. It's so always bad. remember like way back, way back. We were like, our Don Knotts impressions are going to be like laser focused, carved out of steel, just masterful. We'll be able to do these at parties. And now worse. it's like, it's basically like, all right, I'm going to try to do a Don Knotts impression. Spin the wheel. <laughs> like, what celebrity are you getting today? All right, let's. It's landing on Elvis. I'm doing a bad Elvis impression now. Oh uh, fuck! Side note: uh, I did realize, like, on a road trip recently, that if you want to do a share impression, you just take take an Elvis impression and go like up just half an octave. <laughs> It's really the best way to do an impression is to fail to do a different impression. 
uh, th- there's a stinger. We bring back Opie. It's a dumb joke. Barney's like, oh, I, boy, everybody's making a big deal out of this. Can't believe everyone's making such a big deal. Can't believe they put it in the paper. And then Opie runs in and is like, hi, Barney. I bought all of the newspapers like you asked. Okay. All right. All right. We got to we gotta back up just very briefly because you did touch on this earlier, but Andy is sitting in Helen Crump's apartment and he just heard on the radio that everybody thinks he's trapped in a mine. And his first instinct is, I need to preserve my friend's ego and not, I need to tell my son that I'm not dead. <laughs> 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 that's insane that's it's ridiculous. Anything, anything other than i need to go hug my son and tell him that his father is okay because every single second before i do that is trauma <laughs> fucking psychopath shit. just ridiculous although as we'll see in the next episode i really don't think andy gives a fuck about his kid <laughs> he really doesn't he really seem doesn't to like him all that much <laughs> let's let's do ratings on this and i think we can squeeze in the next episode here yeah it's not gonna be a long one so andy meter I didn't hate it that much when we started, and now I fucking despise it. It's absolute dog shit writing. It's, it's like, so poorly written, right? It's just an absolute, like, like it breaks every every just rule of good writing. It just, like, just trips over and face plants into a pie. It just, no, none of the behaviors of anyone makes sense. If anything, Barney Fife is the only one who is in character this entire time. It, it is just basically Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes <laughs> over and over again in terms of writing. Yeah, so fuck this episode. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. And um, uh, as, as Barney Meter goes, like, I don't think this did any lasting damage, right? I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of exemplifies everything stupid and fucked up about this show. Yeah. It's none of it is like active malevolence. Oh, there's the racism. We should give it It's a 5 for racism five, against five Native Americans. 5 for American, racism, I guess. Against right. Native Americans. Right. Uh yeah, that feels that feels right. Yeah, yeah so on to the next wet fart of an episode. <laughs> All right, let's do this one. This is season 4, episode 14, Andy and Opie's Pal, again directed by Dick Crenna and written by Harvey Bullock and airs January 13th, 1964. Here's your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Opie gets jealous when Andy pays extra attention to Opie's new friend Trey Bowden. So, fade up on a kid throwing a knife. <laughs> Just a kid playing with a knife. Like, and and I think this starts uh, basically the most realistic way a child child friendship starts, which is just, that kid has a thing I want to play with, so we're best friends now. Yeah, liter- uh, literally the, their, their whole entire conversation is Opie's like, hey, that's a cool knife. I've got a cool football. Do you want to talk about this, I guess? When you are a kid with a Sega Genesis, you become real friendly to kids with Super Nintendos. Yeah. Uh, You you get real social real fast when you realize (laughs) that you have Sonic and jack shit else. (laughs) Uh, I felt that interaction. Um, He goes in. He's like, oh, check out this football. That's the normal size of a football. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, this is a regulation game size football. And it's just like, yeah, okay, All right. Ain't much to brag. This kid's got like a knife with six blades, a file sharpener on it. He's basically got a fucking shuriken. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and Opie's coming up just like, look at my perfectly normal football. <laughs> this is a football just like football players use. <laughs> That's a cool knife you have. I have the most normal football possible. <laughs> have you ever touched one? And the kid's like, I guess not. I assumed that I touched a normal football, but you're really selling it. So I'm assuming I haven't. I've been touching like bastard footballs. <laughs> I do want to, I want to stress here about how very little Trey seems to want to be friends with Opie. Yeah. Opie basically forces this conversation and friendship to happen. Which, Trey is very happy just throwing a knife at dirt. Which, okay. And then transactional nature of child friendships. Opie is like, my dad's the sheriff, and Trey is like, and you're interesting now. <laughs> like, right. I don't really, I want to, pl- I want to meet a sheriff, so let's do this thing. I guess I'll be friends with you, because you are, like, two degrees away from a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it <laughs> that's is. That's what it comes down to, right? If I hang around you long enough, I might see your dad's gun. I might get to touch a gun. And he does. He does. He gets to touch a gun. He gets to touch a gun by the end of this episode. So, I mean, I guess Trey's plan worked out. Yeah. Okay. So, hard cut to the jail where Barney is getting off the phone with Gomer. And then he's like, all right. So, I think Gomer's claim has some validity. And he lays out. The peppermint conspiracy, which requires rules of a candy that I did not know were a thing, which um, apparently back then you had peppermint candy, uh, peppermint cookies or candies or whatever. And some of them were pink on the inside, which meant you get got a free cookie. And some of them were green on the inside, which meant you got a flashlight. These people were out of their fucking minds. Or, I guess, just so deeply bored that they needed to give away flashlights with candy. Did you uh, Did you never hear about, when you were a kid, was there never, like, the legend about the lollipops that, like, if you got the wrapper that had a star on it? Oh, yeah, what was it? I want to say it was Dum Dums, but apparently that's not, Google's not giving me anything for that. Lollipop star wrapper legend. So, it was, like, when Tootsie Willy- Pops, it was Tootsie Pops. When Willy Wonka came out, was it just basically like, hey, we're doing that super normal thing, but now it's a fucking factory? Like, I, were all candies just giveaway sweepstakes? I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the conspiracy... Fact oh, check on, on Snopes. So some of them <laughs> just had a star. Some of them had, like, some of them was like an Indian shooting an arrow at a star. And if you did that, you would redeem it with Tootsie Roll Industries for a free bag of candy. That's no, no one fucking knows what that is. Like, it's, yeah, I vaguely remember that from being a child. Um, but yeah, so Gomer is of the belief that the candy store owner is fixing his peppermint supplies to only give away uncolored peppermints, which Barney le- leads complete credence to. Which grown Andy, men, yeah, which Two Andy grown rebuts, men in their in their forties. Yep, yep. Andy rebuts by saying that gambling is against the law. So yeah. <laughs> it's an extremely weirdly written interaction. So they they enter Trey and Opie. There's a whole gag here where and Andy proceeds to answer or Andy proceeds to ask Trey questions like getting to know you, where you're from or whatever. 
and Opie talks for him. Like, yeah. scene. It's nice. It's also pretty on brand for Opie. We learn that Trey is new in town. He and his mom just moved here. He, his pa died. They used to live in Erie, PA. They did the Blood Brothers routine. They were born in the same month, and they both don't like carrots. By the way, Opie's just really fucking slutty with that Blood Brothers routine, I think. He's he's swapping blood with everybody all over town. Like, we've definitely seen Opie, like, blood brother up with uh, one of Andy's girlfriends, and then that girl disappears. Yeah, like, he's blood brothered with, like, half the boys in town, three homeless guys, and one of Andy's girlfriends. So... <laughs> So they talk it they talk Andy into letting Trey come over for a sleepover. Also, Trey's never been fishing, uh, so they're gonna go on a fishing trip. And they never actually say it, but Ope Andy's very clear, like, got no dad, huh? Well Yeah. I, I guess I I I guess I mean maybe maybe they're waiting to see if this kid turned out to be fucking anything. Cause like it would have made way more sense to introduce this kid's mom as an int- love interest for, yeah. for Andy. Like, why not? It's way better than Crump. Well, uh, they would have had to introduce another full time. They would have had to, like, Ron Howard can't. Ron Howard's agent was like, don't you dare introduce another full time child cast oh, member. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I will slit that child's throat. I'll burn this show to the ground before I let there be Opie, too. I, we are not getting Cousin Oliver. Yeah, so, so they, like, scamper off, and then a f- fucking insane interaction happens um which it's the designated unhinged monologue of the of our episode so they start reminiscing <laughs> about the time they barney and andy the kids the kids are gone so barney and andy are just talking about how they've always been friends since the fourth grade and they talk about like well we never really had any fights and when we did they weren't a big deal which Barney finally gets the opportunity to bring up something that has clearly been weighing on him for like 30 fucking years, which he brings up how the, what was it, pomegranate queen? Not pomegranate, that's too fancy. Apricot, apricot queen. The apricot queen, she was like a child pageant winner. She came to town and Barney and Andy were supposed to escort her all around town. And Andy met her early and went on a date while Barney waited for like three hours. Barney uses this moment to just like basically like, yeah, remember that time you did that? That was so funny. That was such a funny thing that you should apologize for. And and Andy's like, I had a good time. That ruled for me. And then Barney goes on an unhinged meltdown about how unfair that was to do to him as a child, revealing that he remembers the exact date and time of it happening. Every single detail of Andy's date that he has been meticulously reconstructing like a forensic psychologist. Fucking, like, he has, like, an entire corkboard at home with, like, yarns at the end. Be like, and at this time, corroborating evidence shows that they went to the furniture factory for some goddamn reason. Yeah, he's, he's, he, like, breaks it down like like he, he's detailing a heist, essentially. Yeah, which like, like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, they then went to the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you can see by this ticket stub, which he specifically says, don't pretend you didn't go to the diner with her. Juanita told me, which how fucking old is Juanita, the woman that he's been fucking on the side? What? Yeah, is she, what? Is she like four? Is, was, uh, hang on. Hang on. When, when do you think this story happened? Because I thought this story happened like 
when they were young men. You seem to be yeah. thinking that, that no, it no. When... He's he specifically says, "Don't try." You went to the diner with her. Juanita told me you did. So Juanita, Barney's side piece, who works at the diner. The only I'm assuming that they were like eleven when this happened, leading me to the conclusion that Juanita Twist is like sixty eight. <laughs> 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 but no, Barney's no, side think, piece is an old woman. I don't. I don't think that that's very funny. Well, you know what? Given the landlady thing, he does seem to have a thing for. He, he has a geriatric fetish. Mm. That's yeah. Uh, okay, okay, okay. That's but no. The, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna counter argue that no, well, no, no, because no, no, of because no. of the war. Yeah, right? I was. I was gonna say. I feel like this story happened when they were young adults. When they were like in their twenties. No, they but were. That's, that's when they were going to be in the war. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. no, there is. They were children. They were kids. But teenagers at oldest. Juanita Beasley was still working at the diner. So that that's that is the reason why Barney is cheating on Thelma Lou and why he can't just date Juanita Beasley because Juanita Beasley is like sixty five with a retired husband. Alternatively. And- Alternatively, Juanita has been working at that diner since she was 14. Yes. <laughs> also a possibility, but I choose the geriatric thing because like, it makes a lot of stuff make a lot of sense. Yours is a, it's, it's a lot funnier. Like. Yeah. But, okay, so he goes on this unhinged, basically, court case against Andy, which ends in a more deranged way with Andy just going like, you're not mad at me anymore. And Barney just goes, yeah, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> which, like... Fucking, he's gonna kill you. Like, he was just like, hey, I've been hanging on to uh, sexual frustration as a result of your actions since we were children. Do you want to address that at all? <laughs> no. Nope. And it, yeah, no. And he's just like, no, I had a great time and I don't regret doing it even a little bit. Do you want to still be around me? Barney's like, yeah. It's fucking very creepy domination of one it's, person. It's very by weird. Like he's just like, all right, well, you got that out of your system. Good, time to go yeah. back at home. The it's dinner time. The boys are playing upstairs. They're playing really loud. You know, playing. I don't know. Uh, Soldier. Oh, they're playing war. They're like yeah. pretending to murder each other with guns. One of them has a spaceman helmet on. They're so- playing little kid stuff. They hear Andy coming up to check on him. They jump into bed. Andy, like, reveals, like, he pulls apart the covers and is like, you guys are in full military gear. Very weird thing happens that made me not uncomfortable, which is Andy says, all right, I'm going to separate you guys so that you don't keep each other up all night. Trey, you're going to sleep in my bed, which is weird. You have a couch. You have a couch. He does specifically say, which I didn't catch the first time, that when Trey falls asleep, he's going to put him back in Opie's bed. Didn't catch that the first time, which made this 10,000 times creepier. Because I was like, are you just having the neighbor boy sleep in your bed with you? Because what the fuck? No, it, it, that's not it. But he also says that Trey can use one of his sleep, his fishing poles, right? Yeah. Because Trey doesn't have a fishing pole. And so... This is where, and I, I think also somewhere along the way, he, he, when like Trey is out in the hallway and he's like, also, I'm going to give you pie, which fills Opie with a jealous, seething rage. Yeah. I mean, and and this under normal, a competent writer could really do something with this, right? Like I can see this. All right. This kid's getting jealous that his dad is spending too much time paying attention to this, to this other kid. 
Um, Which this the episode doesn't it lets it be like subtext and it really nots to be, not, needs to not be subtext that Andy says into the camera. I am treating the boy very well because he doesn't have a dad like like basically said, like, I'm trying to be nice to a kid that doesn't have a dad. Instead, it's just like, hey, Trey, I fucking love this kid. This kid rules as much, if not more than my own son. Yeah, like with, without making it explicit, right? It really just seems like. Like, Andy's just hanging out going, hell yeah, this kid rules, Trey rules, Opie drools. Right? Trey, and, Trey, Trey, Trey. Because the next, literally the next lines are the next morning hanging out on the porch. Trey comes downstairs. Andy's like, don't tell me Opie's still asleep. And Trey's like, yeah, he is. I chloroformed that bitch. Like, <laughs> it, really, it really does come across like Trey is trying to single white female his way into the Taylor household. Like, it is there's a lot of levels of creepiness. It is a sign of the horrible times that we have lived through and been brought up in, but a dad taking particular interest in one of his son's friends reads a lot creepier than it did back in the day. I, I just, even, even removing that part of it, it's just, it's weird the way he, he, he handles this, right? He's not like, well, I guess I better go wake Opie up. He's like, all right, let's hang out here and I'm going to teach you how to shoot a gun. <laughs> a thing I a thing I definitely don't need to talk to your mom about. Barney is there and Barney does the thing. Like I'm I'm so tired of even describing it. Yeah, gun. Like but Andy keeps going out of his way to be like, "Hey Trey, do you want to do a thing that I don't do with Opie? Wee, look how much fun we're having." It's just it has like like it, Opie is kind of in the right to be as upset as he is he gets like a guilt smackdown at the end of it but Opie is like yo you're being weird with my friend i want to i want to like push ahead here and just kind of summarize what's about to happen is that he's gonna start going out of his way to find reasons to exclude trey he's gonna start going out of his way to be like okay well trey can't hang out with us that sucks okay bye and at no point in time do we have the father-son moment? At no point in time does Andy even become aware of Opie's jealousy. Yeah. Right? The 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 lesson that Opie learns is don't be a dick to your friend. He does not he- learn your father loves you. <laughs> <laughs> there, like- needed, there needed to be a moment here where, where Andy says, I love you, son. Like, just... Yeah. I love you more than the neighbor boy. Like, he fucking, like, Opie basically says, like, I'm feeling self, I'm feeling insecure about our bond as father and son. And Bart, and Andy just goes, well, did you ever think about how that makes Trey feel? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He does exactly do that. Yeah, he's be like, yeah, well, I bet Trey feels worse than you. So that's another way in which he's better. <laughs> Fucking right? A. And he, and I, yeah, so Opie is just progressively more and more of a dick with Trey. It culminates in a shoving match where Opie is just an absolute raging little prick. And oh, I, 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 I need to talk about this, the next scene, though. I, I skipped over it, right? Uh. Opie keeps trying to keep Trey from going fishing with them. And in fact, Andy or Opie kind of talks Trey out of it. It's like, you know what? We're not going to go fishing. I got to go to football practice anyway. So no fishing today. Yeah. And then Opie and then Andy and Trey run into Andy runs into Trey and is just like, hey, 
where are we going to go fishing? And Trey says, oh, Opie said we're not going fishing because he's got to go to football practice. And then Andy goes, well, guess there's more fish for us. This isn't weird. It's not. Yeah. Let's, let's fucking go without him, I guess. He says, like, oh, that sucks. You want to come on patrol with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to go check if the lake houses are all boarded up? Uh, and so then, yeah. like, and then Trey, he's like, invite Aunt Opie. And Trey's like, he's busy. And Andy's like, no follow-up questions. Come on. Get in this car. Don't care. Whatever. All right. I guess. Yeah. It genuinely, I'm really unaware of what my son is doing at any moment. It genuinely comes across as Andy thinks Trey is super cool and wants his approval. He's it, not even like, I'm going to take this boy under his wing. It's like. It's like he's like, you think that's cool, Trey? I need your approval. Tell me it's, tell me how cool this is. Do you want to see my gun? Touch my gun. Come it, on, it man. Really, it feels like this entire episode comes from Opie's point of view. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only explanation I can come up with for this. So football practice, The Trey comes up and Opie's like, you can't fucking play. Go away. They have a fight. Barney's the one who sees him fighting and break, and he's like, don't worry, I won't tell Andy, because I bet if Andy found out that you were fighting, he might not let you hang out with Trey anymore. And, okay? Question whatsoever of why were you fighting your best friend? No, like, hey man, what's up? Like, I'll be honest though, if you see children fighting, I don't give a shit what they're fighting about. Like, ah, it could be some real shit. <laughs> It could be like, it could just be like, well, he says that Dragon Ball Z is better than Inuyasha, so I pushed him. Or it could be like, he's shooting cats. Like, I don't think that he should he's, be torturing neighborhood cats. He's trying to steal my dad. It's probably about halfway <laughs> between those two. Um, yeah. Like, 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 I need... A psychiatrist is probably a pretty good reason. One time you and I were at an arcade and a fight did break out between two teenagers around us. And you and I heroically backed the fuck away slowly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I did. I had this momentary thought. And by the way, and when, when, when these two teenagers started fighting, it was kind of like a whirlwind like that just drew everybody else around. And I had this thought that was just kind of like. They are children. I am an adult. Do I uh, do I step in? Should I yeah. be authority fit? No. <laughs> if if I uh, recall correctly, a girl I was dating was there with us, and we left her there. <laughs> we <laughs> heroically did not tell her that we were running away. <laughs> we just kind of bounced. I just I had I had this horrible moment. I was just like. I should step in. And then I thought, every one of these children has video cameras. I do not need to be online as the guy that, like... like you, yeah, you don't need to be in there. All it takes is one of those kids to be like, hey, this guy touched my dick! Like... <laughs> no, it was yeah. two girls! That was, oh, that's was what made it worse. Girls. It was two girls. Yeah, no. Nope. Like, nope. in no way. I don't want to be anywhere near this. Uh... Did you, at Temple, we used to have the thing where you would just be, like, sitting somewhere on campus, like, you'd be outside at a, outside at Chipotle, and suddenly you would see, like, oh, there's three teenagers, oh, there's four teenagers, oh, there's six teenagers, oh, there's nine, tw there's nine more teenagers, oh, there's 25 teenagers, they're about to start beating the shit out of each other, we gotta go. No, no, and yeah, no, straight up, it's, it, 
Philadelphia teenagers, it's like you see one, you you gotta go. Like get if, out of there. <laughs> if you see more uh more than ten Philadelphia teenagers in a given place, you need to leave because the battle from three hundred is about to happen. Like it's about to go absolutely fucking insane wherever you are. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so back at the jail, Barney immediately rats Opie <laughs> out. Like immediately. Uh, yeah. Because he just wanted to tell Andy about the cool thing he did. Like, he was like, I was just the cool uncle. Andy, I was just the cool uncle! And Opie, Opie comes in with fake bandages. Just, like, put bandages all over his face. Just like, look what Trey did to me! Yeah. And then Andy, as, like, the, Opie the, basically says, like, I want some quality time with you. I'd like to spend some more time as, like, father and son. And Andy's like, oh, yeah? Yeah? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to hurt Barney really bad right now, and it's your fault. I'm going to absolutely... Hey, Barney, you're not invited on the fishing trip anymore, you bitch. And Barney's like, what? Why? No. What? Why? I'm emotionally devastated and running off into the other room. And Andy's just like, you did that, Opie. You just did that to Barney. Are you proud of what you did to Barney, your friend? Folks, and- I, I, I really... You think Dan's exaggerating. He barely is <laughs> yeah, i'm reading but beto- i'm making subtext text that is it like he's just ba- <laughs> and and he just basically says like look what you just did to barney you did that to trey too you're kind of a monster aren't you you're kind of a piece of shit huh huh yeah all right go tell trey you're sorry and also that i love him <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking demented <laughs> it's insane <laughs> I, it, it proves just like how little attention andy is paying to his son's feelings because like i i know that like at no point in time does opie actually say i'm he doesn't have the emotional ability to say i'm jealous or i'm feeling weird about this but he could just, like, have him throw a tantrum, have him say, why don't you spend all your time with Trey? Or yeah. why don't you, you want Trey to, be- you, you have this kid run away twice an episode or twice a, se- a season. This would be a good time for it, right? Like, yeah. Just, address address the root cause. You, you have Andy give Opie a big life lesson speech, like, twice an episode and they're always extremely like hit the nail on the head why is he doing like subtlety right the, now the the lesson the lesson that we're that the lesson that there should be here and the actual takeaway lesson that they have are so far removed like andy i think we can say like for all the nightmares of this show andy has more often than not been a pretty good dad Lot no! Op- what? A lot Disagree! Of op- <laughs> His whole thing, like, a lot of open and honest communication. Not, like, in terms of the lessons he's teaching them, but he's always been like, hey, man, tell me your problem. All right, I'm gonna listen. I'm okay. gonna explain. I, like, he always does that. His parenting in this in, in this season has taken a sharp nosedive, where most of his lessons are like, hey, 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 come here, come here. Sit down, sit down on my knee. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm sick of this. All right? I'm not having fun. You're really bumming me out and pissing me off. Just shut up. Hey, uh, <laughs> shut up how, or I'll torture Barney. You, you, you projected a little bit here, Bullock. 
Yeah. How, how's your relationship with your father? Oh, y'all want to talk, Batman? <laughs> Don't you lecture me on fathers. <laughs> he's fine. He doesn't have a bunch of holes in his fucking head, so I guess he's doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, Andy's a dog shit parent who, like, like Opie, like, leaves to go make up with Trey, and Andy is like, hey, Barney, time for my second big speech. You know how I just devastated you emotionally? Well, it was a goof. Didn't mean it. It was to teach the son a lesson. So we're cool, right? And and Barney's like, no, I'm super not. I'm really upset. And Andy's like, that's cool. That's cool. Although, again, right, like, weird, like, Barney's entire reaction is very bizarre. Because the way that, that Opie, or the, sorry, the way that Andy kicks him out is he says, like, Hey, I gotta go spend some time with my son. And Barney just cries. So, just, like, his his entire existence is... It, everything about this scene is so fucking weird. I, I can't get over it. Yeah. Like, it, imagine, like, imagine being that upset that you don't get to spend time fishing with a child. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Hanging out with children isn't that great, man. It's... You have two girlfriends. <laughs> you have two girlfriends. Quick, quick reminder, you have two girlfriends. You are a sexually active adult that is upset that you don't get to spend time with a guy and his kid. A guy you see every day <laughs> a and a you... child you also see every single fucking day. On like, a lake you go to pretty much every week. Like, like yeah, like this, it's... It's Andy, you see him every day. It's Opie, you see him every day. It's fishing. You think about, see, do, and talk about it every single fucking day. <laughs> oh, God. So stupid. Everyone in this show is so fucking stupid and poorly written. All right, so... <sighs> ratings. Fuck this episode. It's really boring. It's a boring-ass episode. The stinger is Andy and Trey. Opie and Trey are friends again. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, by the way, you, you, you by the way, you'd think that like for all this hustle over all this hassle, Trey would be like a regular character. No. Trey shows up twice. Two more times, and then no more. No more Trey. Oh, also on the way out, Andy does do a like hey, by the way, Apricot Queen, loved hanging out with her. Had a great time. Maybe I'll apologize. I'm feeling like apologizing. And Barney's like, Are you? And Andy's like, no, nah, man, I'm super not. I'm a, I'm a piece of shit this episode. Like somehow in this situation, the guy holding thirty years of resentment for a minor slight isn't the dick. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I kind of found a way to be the asshole in this situation. <laughs> well, later, bye everybody. I've hurt everybody in this episode except Trey, who is my best friend. <laughs> I booked us a kayaking trip together. I'm really excited. I explicitly told Opie he's not going. <laughs> Ratings. Ratings. This episode sucks, man. It's not it's fun so to watch. Fucking it's boring. boring. It's dull as shit. Opie, ep Opie heavy episodes are either amazing or dull as shit. No, no in between. So it's this is a two for me. Like I don't. It's it sucks. It's a very realistic portrayal of childhood friendships in that it's boring and stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a two. Fuck it. Barney meter. I mean, as far as bad stuff, I mean, I 
I I really I wonder about the like relationships all of these people have with their fathers. Yeah, pretty creepy, man. <laughs> like the uh, the Andy the Andy Trey relationship real like skeeved me out. It's, it's, it's not so strange. Like and, yeah. and, and again, like a lot of the issues of this could be solved with just like two lines of dialogue. Why you treat Why are you treating Trey so well? Because he doesn't have a dad. Like, yeah. two lines of dialogue fix every problem with this episode. Yeah. So it has it has shitty parenting, but I think everything else Maybe, is just bad writing. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give it a four for a, for a Barney meter. I'll give it like a two. I don't think it does any, any real damage to anything. I just, I hate Andy. It doesn't matter, enough. but I think I'm going to give it a, a call your father out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Deal with your parental issue. All right, so that's about it for us. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped out. Thank you again all for listening. As always, remember, if you want to support us with your money dollars, you can get at us at patreon.com slash breakingmayberry, where you get bonus episodes and extended episodes. All the stuff that we cut out of, of these scenes, they show up on, on Patreon, including our director's brand- cuts. Yeah, including our brand new bonus episode on uh, Little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland, uh, in which we pitch a gritty reboot of Mark Trail for Netflix. Uh, so that's available on Patreon. Otherwise, if you want to help us out, you know, those ratings and reviews, keep them coming, keep them coming. Online, we are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. I am on Twitter as Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. Our music was done by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as sleep talkie what, anything else instagram breaking mayberry facebook breaking mayberry that's it for us we will see you all down at the fishing hole